Good morning. How are you? Hey, I was here last year, and uh, I've been looking forward to being here. Chapel at North Central is awesome. You guys are just a great group. We're really happy to be here on campus. My name is Preston Ulmer, and I'm actually a pastor in Denver, Colorado, and I'm on the team with Church Multiplication Network, and it's really great to be here. We're going to be here today, tomorrow, and then sadly we leave on Wednesday, but we want to get to know you and connect with you today and tomorrow. I want to thank President Hagen. I know he's not here, but to thank him and Dr. Graham for letting us be here. We always appreciate being here with you guys. And listen, I, I want to encourage you with what was just said. If in your heart you feel like you might have questions revolving around what is church planting? What does it mean to start a church? It's not something that you would say, I have to feel called to be the lead pastor in a church plant. Whatever God's calling you to, we think that you can use your gifts, your calling to start things in communities, all those, and partner with the local church. And we would encourage you to partner with the local church plant. So the speaker this morning, uh, he's going to speak more on this. I, as we're here, if you're interested in this, go to IWantToPlantAChurch.com. Okay, it's pretty easy to remember. I want to plant a church.com, and there's a two-minute survey you fill out, and uh, we would love to connect with you. That's how we're going to stay connected with you after these two days. So, without further ado, we have knee, okay? Knee, it's like, this is his joke, but it's like kneecap without the cap, okay? But I gave you the joke. Knee Abrahams, he's with us today. And, and something about knee real quick is he is, um, he's a college professor, He's, he works with a marketing agency, and he's an associate pastor. He hasn't had what you would call the typical ministry route, but he has, God has divinely ordained his steps. So he's going to speak to you about how God will call out your giftings for the kingdom, and I want you to introduce, give a North Central welcome to Nee Abrahams. North Central, how are you doing? What's good? Uh, as Preston said, uh, my name is uh, Nee Abrahams. Contrary to popular belief, I am not Robert Madu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my parents are from Ghana, born, raised, and married. Uh, yeah, shout out. Anyone? Okay, cool. Africa. Um, so yeah, so my brother and I were born in the States. So we have a lot of family back there. That's where the, the name Nee comes from. Uh, the whole nine yards. But yeah, as Preston said, uh, 26. I grew up in Missouri, Joplin, Missouri. Um, I, oh, shout out. Uh, I got some serious fam. All right, so um, yeah, I was that rogue AG kid uh, that grew up in the AG church and didn't go to Evangel or Sagu or North Central. Uh, I ended up at Missouri State University. There it is, yeah. I uh, went to Missouri State University, the greatest school in the history of mankind. Uh, go Bears. Um, I was extremely involved in Missouri State Chi Alpha. Um, incredible, incredible ministry that I got to be part of for six years. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I'll kind of tell my story towards the end of the sermon, but I'm really glad to be here. Um, I'm recently engaged, so I'm really excited. I think there might be a picture. Is there a picture? If not, just if, no picture. Just believe me, she's fine. So, uh, <laughs> I'm really excited. We're about to make some beautiful caramel babies. All right. Hey. <laughs> can you say that in church? Yes, I can. God is good. <laughs> so, hey, uh, we're going to go ahead and pray and get started. Is that cool with you guys? 
Cool. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for your love, for your grace, and for your mercy, God. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would open up our hearts, open up our ears for what you have for us. We believe you're going to do something great here today. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the incredible atmosphere you already set before us. God, and we know that you are, uh, man, you are just dope. We love you. And we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So, uh, there's a guy by the name of Louis Zamberini, and some of you guys may have heard of him before, but uh, he was an Olympian uh, in the 1930s, and Louis Zamberini was an incredible, incredible athlete. In 1936 Olympics, he did extremely well, and he placed, and in fact, Louis Zamberini was going to be the first person, he was on track to be the first person to break the four-minute mile. Now, obviously, people have done that. But at the time, like, that was an impossible feat. And everyone knew that Louis Zamberini was going to be the very first person to do it until World War, until World War II. And because of World War II and the draft, Louis Zamberini never had that opportunity. And if you know much about his story, you know that he ended up becoming a prisoner of war um, and the whole nine yards. But what Louis Zamberini, what most people don't know about Louis Zamberini is that when he was a kid, he contracted pneumonia at a really young age. And so even though he got over that pneumonia, the residue, the, the stuff that was going on was still inside of him. So his lungs were terrible. So Louis, even though in the future would become the fastest man in the world, as a kid, Louis Zamberini was the slowest kid in the neighborhood. Like the slowest kid. Guys, girls, everybody would be racing him, right? And he would suck. I mean, he's the worst. Like, he could not breathe. He literally could not breathe, so he could not run fast. And how many of you guys know that racing, especially the guys, you understand this, like, that's social suicide, right? If you're the slowest kid, that is social suicide. Let me tell you a story. My second grade, I moved to my school in Missouri. The first question people asked me was, how fast are you? This is second grade. And I kid you not, this is what, this is what they, the, the second grade mafia made me do. So for an entire week during recess, they would line me up and they would have me race against different people in our class. And they'd literally, they'd be like guys and girls lined up on each side of the sidewalk. And like my popularity was determined by how fast I ran. And uh, I'll be pleased to know I was fourth fastest tied with Blaine Dunham. So social status, I'm secure, right? <laughs> so being the slowest kid in the world, I mean being the slowest kid in the neighborhood, social suicide. But nobody told Louis that one day that he would be the fastest man alive. No one told Louis that he would break high school, college, and world records. Nobody told Louis that he would be an Olympi Olympic champion. And I wonder if that's true for us in this room. That there is unseen potential inside each and every one of us that is yet to be seen, placed by God. And we know this to be true because in Ephesians 2.10, it says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things he planned for us long ago. And I love this idea that we're called God's masterpiece. My fiance, Rachel, she loves museums, like obsessed with museums. Every city we go to, the first thing we do is got to go to a museum. Now me, and some of y'all probably identify with this, museums to me, I'm like, I don't get it, right? Like, tell me y'all can be real, right? We're not be art snobs, right? Rachel goes to a museum, right? She sees a picture of Jesus, and she starts crying. 
She's like, I cannot, like, the Lord, his grace, his mercy is so good. And I'm like, I mean, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't get it. All right? And so literally, when I, I just carry her stuff. I just walk around and be like, yeah, honey, that was, oh, wow, I love that painting too. Uh-huh, that's so great. All right? But every once in a while, there'll be a piece of art that really captures my eye. And sometimes I look at the art, and it looks like a dog just, like, took his paw and just, like, put stuff all over it, right? Like, it, like it didn't even make sense. But when you start reading the description, you start noticing that every single stroke, that every single color, every single brush has intention and has design. So think about God, that he calls you his masterpiece, that every single thing inside of you has intention. Every single thing inside of you has a purpose to be used for his kingdom. We were designed for a purpose. But if that were the case, why are there so many of us not living in that purpose? What is it? What's that thing? The past couple of years, I've kind of taken this journey, and it led me to conclude that the thing that holds us back from seeing the potential that God has placed inside of us, to unearth the masterpiece that God has created us to be, is the American dream. The American dream. Now, I was a sociology minor. I know, really cool, right? Sociology minor. And we talked about this concept of the American dream all the time. And the American dream started as a concept in around the 1930s. And essentially it was this, that like anyone can be successful. You just pull yourself up by the bootstraps. It doesn't matter uh, socioeconomically where you were. It didn't matter like how much money you had, that anyone could be successful, which is noble in general. But as generations started to go by, it changed from this idea of being successful to putting success in material things. So then it became about living the perfect home, having the perfect home. White picket fence, great car, beautiful family, 2.5 kids. I don't understand that still, but 2.5 kids, a dog. And that became our version of the American dream. And even now, millennials and Gen Z have completely changed what the American dream is. But at its core, the American dream has looked different in every generation, but it still has one common thread. The American dream is about getting what you want. The American dream is about building your own kingdom. And that's really problematic. Why? Matthew 24 says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If we call ourselves Christians, then it's our primary job to build God's kingdom. It's our primary job to bring heaven to earth. It's our primary job to build God's kingdom the way he designed it to be. And so maybe you're in this room, because I was the exact same way, right? You hear this version, you're like, you can't serve both God and money. You're like, well, I, I serve in church, right? Like I intern, like I'm on the worship team, like, oh, I got it on lock, right? So it's like, because what happens is we say, well, I, I'm not like serving money, so I'm clearly I'm serving God. But here's really great things that Christians do. We like to do both at the same time. We like to do both at the same time. And trust me, I get it. Like I was that kid. I was that AG kid, right? I was Royal Ranger of the Year, Ready to workplace serve, worship, live, obey God's word. 
I did Bible quiz and not just JBQ because everyone does Bible quiz. I'm talking TBQ, the ones that get you real jewels in heaven. Like, I get it. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> I did fine arts. Tw um, yes. I'm telling you, my senior year, 2010, I had the best Holy Spirit cross Jesus thing in the country. I'm telling you, I still got it to this day. Right? I get it. And so we look at this and we say, oh, I'm not, really serving, I'm not really serving money, so I must be serving God, but we're really good at trying to do things our own way. So this is what we do. We try to fit building God's kingdom into our agenda. We want to build God's kingdom, right? Like, that's what we want. We all want to do what Jesus asked us to do, but we do it in a way that's convenient to us. We do it in a way that fits our life plan. God, like, I'll do what you want me to do, but, like, first, Lord, like, I'm trying to get married, so can we just kind of figure that thing out first? We want to build God's kingdom, but if it isn't really in our calling, then I, I can't really serve there because, like, I'm a worship pastor, so, like, Sunday school is not really my thing. I'll be honest with you. God's called us to build God's kingdom. He doesn't call us to specific things, but that's a whole other story and a whole other life. So we're going we're gonna to stop there for a second. But the more we try to build our own kingdom, the less of the unseen potential that God has placed inside of us becomes revealed. That potential is activated when we make an active decision not to put part of ourselves, but to put our whole selves into building God's kingdom. God has designed each and every one of us with special gifts, talents, and abilities to build his kingdom. He's tasked you with a specific responsibility. And when we try to fit God's plan into our plan, if we try to build God's kingdom, but really building it the way we want to, then we miss out on the opportunity to be a part of the plan that God has for us. And we may be successful, our ministry may look good, but it'll never be what God fully designed it to be. Building God's kingdom is more than just speaking on stage. It's more than just being the next Hillsong worship pastor, speaker. It's more than having a really trendy Instagram where you post pictures of coffee and, and Bible verses. Do you know what building God's kingdom looks like? It looks like the future teachers in this room who bring the, cult the culture of heaven to their classroom. Where students feel loved and accepted. Where you don't have to preach a message every single day, but people know that they're loved. The kingdom of God looks like business people in this room who God is starting to turn their minds and their business opportunities that they're thinking of. But instead of building their own kingdom to make a profit for themselves, they're turning around and using that money to fund other people's dreams. It looks like the nurses in this room who instead of just doing what they do and moving on, that they're, they're, they're going to underprivileged places in their own backyard and around the world to serve those who cannot serve themselves. It looks like providing hope for the hopeless, justice for the disenfranchised. It looks like loving your neighbor giving them cookies, giving them a ride. Like, I don't really care. God has called us to love. Sometimes we miss out on opportunities to be missional in our own community because we're too worried about the next mission trip with brown babies we're going to take pictures of. Yeah. 
Making the decision to fully give ourselves to God's kingdom means that we don't have to know where we're going as long as we know who we're following. As long as we know who we're following. But do you know what building God's kingdom also means? It's going to cost us. Because if we know about Jesus' life, that's what Jesus came to do, to build, to build God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In fact, that's the very first thing that he taught us to do when we pray. Our Father went out in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was his objective. And building God's kingdom cost him his life. Building God's kingdom also costs my friends in a lot of different ways. As I mentioned, we're part of a church plant, and uh, I'm part of Chi Alpha, and so me and four of my friends from Chi Alpha packed up everything and moved. And my friends John and Allie, the, they, they committed to this church plant. John, one of my best friends, he committed without a job. He left his family. He had a, he's an incredible family. He's been with them his entire life. He's never left our side. And he felt that building God's kingdom for him, that God was calling him to leave his family. That's what he did with no job. Allie, his wife, had a dream job out of school. She loved. And if you were to ask her today, she would tell you it's worth it. Because for her, building God's kingdom meant moving to start this church plant. And even though on the outside, people looked at Allie and said, that's crazy. Why would you give up your dream job? She knew that if she built her own kingdom, she would be fine. She'd be successful but she wouldn't fully understand the things that God has for her because she was too busy building her own kingdom. So she trusted God. And even though she had the best job in the world, she gave that up to build the kingdom the way God had asked her to do. So what about you? Whose kingdom are you going to build? Because building God's kingdom is going to look a little weird. To call, I like to call it the un-American dream. Because building God's kingdom is going to look really weird to your friends. It might look upside down to your family. People may look at you and be like, you're doing that? Why? Building God's kingdom is going to look really countercultural, but not honestly, that's the way we should be living every single day of our lives. And yes, it will cost you. Absolutely, it will cost you. But I promise you this, it's worth it. It's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it. Because that's what happens when you build God's kingdom. The masterpiece that God has put inside of you begins to unearth. But if you decide to build your own kingdom, you'll miss out on that. And that was me. I was this close to missing out on that. Three years ago, I had an incredible job. I was working for the National Youth Department as a communication and content strategist, so I got to travel, I got to do social media, all the things I love to do. I was in graduate school, things were going great. I was a part of a Chi Alpha, the ministry that I got to be a key part of turning that ministry from like 30 people to over 300 people. And quickly I realized that Chi Alpha had become the kingdom that I was trying to build myself. And so when Jason, our lead pastor, asked me to church plant, I laughed in his face. First off, never laugh in God's face because it'll smack you across the face later on. <laughs> Just a friendly little tip. 
Because I lost his face. I was like, why would I ever do that? Like, my life is perfect. I'm getting favor in all the right places. Clearly, God's blessing me. Over the past few, over the past few months after Jason asked me, God began to soften my heart for the local church. And very clearly, God began to speak to me that building his kingdom was going to look very different than the way I thought it was going to look like. That, that his definition of success was going to be different than my definition of success. That the way I viewed things was going to be very different than the way he viewed things. So, I packed up my stuff. Like I said, moved everything away. I didn't have a job. In fact, I actually got a job the day I drove up to Indianapolis. God provided me with a job. Crazy enough. That's why I get to teach. And it was really hard. It cost me a lot. I wish I had more time to dive into that. But it was worth it for John and Allie. It was worth it for me. It was even worth it for Allison Shimenti. And maybe some of you guys know who she is. She's incredible. She, uh, after... She graduated from here. She could have had plenty of opportunities to lead worship at incredible churches in the area. But she felt that God was calling her to join our church plant. So she moved down also without a job. And now has a great job and she's, and she's doing the thing that God has called her to do. And if you were to text her right now, if you were to call her up right now, she would tell you that it's all worth it. She would tell you, that, yeah, my life looks different than what I thought it would. That, yeah, maybe I'm, not, maybe I'm not at the biggest church in the world. But building God's kingdom over my own is 100 times better than anything I could have ever done. Because the story that God has written for you is better than any story you can write for yourself. And the more that you begin to fight that, the more you begin to try to fit God's plan into your own plan, the less of the masterpiece, the less of the potential that is inside of you gets to be released. And you may have a great life by all the measures of success. But if we're called to be Christians, if we're called to bring heaven to earth, if that's what we're calling ourselves, then there's really only one logical choice to build God's kingdom. The worship team, you guys can come up. It's tough sometimes building God's kingdom, but it's 100% worth it. Like I said, it was worth it, was worth it for me, for Allison, for my friends John and Allie. Do you want to know who else it was worth it for? It was worth it for my friend Claire. My first semester teaching, Claire was in my class. Didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I invited her to come to church. Probably shouldn't have done that, but whatever. School laws, I don't really care. And over the past year and a half has dedicated her life to the Lord. And not only has she done that and is serving in the church, her boyfriend, now husband, who had nothing to do, wanted nothing to do with the Lord, is now serving the Lord and is excited for what God's doing. Do you want to know who else it was worth it for? It was worth it for my friend Justin, who literally, we played flag football together just as a way to meet people in the community. 
Justin was married and, and his wife was a really strong believer and Justin was starting to get there, but a death of a roommate really set him back in his relationship with the Lord. So just, we invited Justin to our small group. We barely had any guys. We invited him anyway. He's never been to a small group before. God radically started changing his life. Justin was in a sales job that he hated. He hated. He felt unfulfilled. Then one day he comes to the guys and says, hey, I can't do this anymore. But because of what you guys did, moving here without jobs and seeing how you trusted God and the faith that you had, I'm compelled to do the same. So he quit his job, was on the job, son, job hunt for three or four months. And now he works for the fraternity that he wasn't in, in college on the executive board. So now we have a firm believer in a fraternity that's across the nation. And that's an unbelievable thing. It was worth it for my friend Sarah, who grew up as a missionary kid, who'd moved to Indianapolis three years before. We, she, we went to the Y to get memberships, and she was the one that, like, showed us around. Three months later, we, like, we found, like, we did some serious social media stalking. <laughs> this is a gift of mine, a spiritual gift. <laughs> some of y'all are like, uh-huh, amen, I got that gift too. Uh-huh. Found her, invited her to this, like, Christmas hangout. She came, she said, for the first time in 26 years, I have friends. And we had the opportunity to send her back out. She's now in Turkey as a missionary, doing incredible things for God. And that's just a couple of the stories that God's doing. And we would never get to see those stories. I don't know where Claire and Jake would be. I don't know what job Justin would have. I don't know what kind of relationship with God Sarah would have if we hadn't decided to stop living and building our own kingdoms and start pursuing what God has for us. There are people you don't know yet. There are people that, that do not exist in your mind that because of your commitment to build God's kingdom, their lives are going to be changed forever. You don't know them yet. You don't know their stories. But if you decide to live this un-American dream where God is the center, where it's his kingdom we're building, you're going to see lives changed in ways you can never imagine. And it may look different. It may look upside down. It may look weird. But I promise you, God created you for a purpose. You are his masterpiece. And when you step into building his kingdom, you'll begin to see all those things at work. You don't have to do it by yourself. Trust him. Trust him. I don't have this thing all figured out. I'm not the expert on this by any means. I'm on this journey just as much as you are. I still make mistakes all the time. But I am sure of this, that every time I've tried to build my kingdom, it's never turned out the way I wanted it to. But every time I build God's kingdom, set, my, set myself aside, God shows up in incredible ways. For me, that was church planning. And it's my hope and desire 
that everyone church plants, because I think it's incredible. And I don't care if you're in ministry or you're not in ministry, if you're a teacher, uh, uh, going into business. Like, I really don't care what your, what your career is. I don't really care what you're studying. God has called you to build disciples. And one of the best ways to do that is church planting. And this isn't like my pitch. I'm just letting you know, I, I genuinely believe that if you, maybe after school you gave a year or two, or maybe instead of looking for a job first, you joined up with the team first and got, let God provide the job. Do you trust God in that? Do you trust God to say, hey, Lord, like, I'll, I will go wherever you want me to go. Because I've seen in my life that he comes through every single time. If you guys could just stand just for a second. I know some of you guys are going to have to leave. You have 12 o'clock classes, and that's fine. I just want to pray over you. Um, I just want to say that we're going to be hanging out. The CMN team, we're going to be hanging out at lunch. Come hang out with us. I just want to chill with you guys. Like, this stuff is fun. Honestly, I just want to hang. That's what I like to do. That's my spiritual gift is just chilling with people. So come hang, without, come hang out with us at lunch. But I just want to pray over you. And, and if this is something that God, maybe God's stirring up something in your heart, and you just want to take a moment, we'd love to pray for you. Because I really believe that God is beginning to speak to some of you. Because you've been trying to do God's kingdom work, but through your own plans. And I believe that for some of you, and maybe many of you in this room, God's he's, he's changing things in your heart and your lives. So after we pray, you guys, for some of you need to leave, you're, you're more than welcome to leave. But if you want to come down and pray at the altar, the, the band will be playing just for a little bit longer. We'd love to pray for you. It's my desire. I cannot wait for the day when I hear about NCU students who are literally all over the world doing incredible things, church planning and, and being the best teachers and being the best doctors and, and being the best business people because the, the, the God's kingdom is not about being on stage. It's about being missional wherever you are. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much that, you, that we are your masterpiece. That every single thing inside of us, the passions, the gifts, the desires, are all a part of your design. Because we have a unique opportunity to build this kingdom in only the way that we can. So I pray for everyone in this room, including myself, that daily we would die to self to build your kingdom. That we won't get caught up in the American dream, in a culture that says money is everything, in a culture that says build your life the way you want to, have it your way. I pray, Lord, that we won't fall prey to that, that we would live the un-American dream, where our measure of success is your measure of success. God, you are a good God. I pray for those who, who you're calling today, right now, and I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you begin to work in their hearts. God, find them people that they can talk to. God, I pray, Lord, you'll bless everyone in this room. God, we love you and thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.